One of the uh, complaints that I sometimes hear about our worship services is when we don't sing all the verses to a hymn. One of the other complaints that I get is when a hymn is particularly long and we do sing all the verses to the hymn. Um, I have sympathy for both. Uh, I've noticed that, uh, that most of the time when it comes to hymns, people really know the first, maybe the second verse, and then it becomes kind of unfamiliar. Uh, and they're pretty satisfied having sung the part that they know, and okay, let's move on. Uh, and for some people, uh, they've noticed, I, I've noticed this, the, the beauty, the artistry, the history. Did you notice how old the hymn was that we just sang? It was written in the 700s. God's people have been singing this one for a couple weeks. You know, it, it just the, 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 the depth, the profound theology in our hymns. And some people, they, they want to sing every last one of those words. And they might sing the whole thing over again if you gave them the opportunity. I bring this up because our Old Testament lesson today from Deuteronomy chapter 27, or excuse me, as the day goes on, I continue to misspeak. From Deuteronomy 32, it's actually part of a song. It's called the Song of Moses, because Moses sang it to the people of Israel uh, shortly before he died. I, I toyed with the idea of reading this, this whole song as the message, because it's just, it's that beautiful. It's, it's that profound. Uh, it glorifies God. It confesses the sins of the people, and it dwells in the sad truth that although God has loved, saved, provided for, and redeemed his people, his people keep turning to other gods. And they hope in foolish, powerless, hopeless things until everything just kind of falls apart for them. But when it falls apart, there's God to vindicate and have compassion on his people. The original text says that the Lord will judge and have compassion on his servants. I like that image, that he will judge and have compassion. Have you ever been caught with your hand in the cookie jar? Ever been busted, nailed to the wall, so obviously guilty that there's just no way around it? That is such an awful experience. But that's the situation that this passage puts us in. We are caught, caught by God. And, and, and the guilt cannot be hidden from him. J just when the penny seems to drop, just when, when the gavel seems to be about to, to bang and the guilty sentence is about to be pronounced, God's heart is moved with compassion for us. God knows our weaknesses. He sees our foolishness. The question that he asks in the text emphasizes it and makes that truth impossible to avoid. The question he asks is this. Where are their gods? 
Where, where are the, the powers and principles that, that ordered our lives but left us powerless and hopeless? Where are the governments, the technologies, the philosophies, and, and all the bright, shiny ideas that we thought would make our world perfect? Where's the, the medicine, the retirement account, or, or, even, or even the loved one that makes everything okay, that rock that we take refuge in? Or perhaps the refuge is alcohol or eating or porn, or the great opiate of the masses, television. The things that we flee to, to escape our troubles, loneliness, anger, and futility. We sacrifice to these useless gods. We sacrifice our time. Loads and loads of time sacrificed to our screens and our social media. We sacrifice our money for the newest, the finest, the best. We sacrifice our family and our friends to get a little bit more of the bottle, of the, the likes, of the thrill of whatever it is that grabs our hearts. And we even sacrifice those, our hearts and our minds, for the politics, the philosophies, and the powers that have become gods in our lives. Do you know the idol, or more likely idols, that lurk in your heart? The ones that are... are always tempting you to trust in them and to hope in them before you trust and hope in God. We all have them. And God judges them. And he condemns the idolatry. He says, you shall have no other gods. And then his heart softens in compassion. Parents, have you felt this? Have you looked at one of your children in their self-inflicted pain and felt your heart break for them? Oh, how God's heart breaks when he looks on you in love and he has compassion. There's still a problem, though. God says, see now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. This is a picture of God's justice. And no one escapes. We worry about being on the the wrong side of history, but here we're being warned about being on the wrong side of eternity. And the eternal God, whose judgment is always right and always delivers exactly what he should. None can deliver out of my hand. His judgment on sin demands killing and wounding. It's holiness and perfection that deserve life and healing. So Jesus, God the Son, in love and mercy came. 
he humbly came and, and he was put on that colt, that young donkey, and he rode humbly into Jerusalem. He came in peace and mercy and he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his glory and his power. He emptied himself so that he could be filled, filled with our sin. And being filled with our sin, he stood before the Father's judgment and none could deliver him from his hands. He goes up to Jerusalem to be wounded for our transgressions, to be killed for our sins. But because he was wounded for our transgressions, because he was killed for our sins, that leaves us in God's eyes. Through faith in Jesus, it leaves us holy and perfect. And we receive life and healing. God says, I kill and I make alive. And that's what this week is all about. On Thursday, we celebrate the Last Supper, and we remember and receive that holy meal that gives us forgiveness and life. We remember Jesus' betrayal, and on Friday, we solemnly gather to retell the events of Jesus' wound and killing for our sin. And Sunday, Easter Sunday, the sinless Son of God lives, although he still bears the wounds which heal us. Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and Easter, they're like verses of a hymn that tell the story of how God's judgment and compassion worked out our salvation. I urge you, don't skip any verses. Sing them all and come to remember Remember and then be moved to worship our Lord Jesus, who is truly our refuge and protection. Amen.